going in the country today, only 21% say things are going well. I want to put that in some historical context for you. 21% is the low point. This goes back, in fact, off this chart, Jake. You have to go back to 2009 to find a time when the American electorate uh, was this dissatisfied with the way things were going in the country. And when we ask specifically about economic conditions, and we say, can you rate the economic conditions today? Look at this number. 82% of respondents in this poll say economic conditions in America are poor. Only 18% say that economic conditions are good right now. Having it both ways, Jared, because when the gas prices go up, it's got nothing to do with the president. When we see some decline, you want him to get the credit. Uh, look, I think that... Uh, that uh... It, 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 there's there's no both way thinking here at all. So we really want to 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 debase our treatment and uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Looking back over the last seventy years, over the post World War II period, in my view, Steve Bannon was the single most dangerous American who came our way. Look, it's a very good first day. It was a long day for uh, jury selection. I really want to thank all the jurors for being, uh, being truthful and blunt. I thought that was great. And we look forward to tomorrow. We're coming back. We get into it tomorrow. So we're looking forward. And uh, I think we would have had and more productive if we'd been on Capitol Hill in front of open mics addressing the nation with exactly all this nonsense, this show trial they've been putting up on, uh, on Capitol Hill. It's nothing but a show trial. It's time they start having... Other witnesses may give other son, other testimony other than what they've been putting up. So we'll see you here tomorrow morning. I want to thank the judge. Thank everybody. Um, Steve Bannon. Bro says he's going to go medieval. What's that mean? He didn't even bring a catapult to court yesterday. And even his defenses aren't holding up. I mean, I, I think I think this one, this one, it's a Trump judge in there. I think this one's pretty open and shut, isn't it? Well, what does it say about us, though, Joe, that uh, Steve Bannon with his three shirts and his uh, heavy sport coat and his, uh, you know, failure to shave every other day, whatever. He is suddenly, you know, on everyone's TV screen when he's on nobody's mind, really. Uh, he is a jackal. Uh, and he has used his position to promote himself. He comes on as this tough guy, this television tough guy, this talk radio tough guy. And he has basically flaunted yeah. the laws of the country and thinks his excuse is because he is, uh, you know, pr coming off, trying to come off as someone who is critical uh, to the future of the republic. I mean, it's preposterous. We've made this guy into a national nationally recognized, sort of nationally recognized, but the uh, the jurors polled yesterday had no idea who he was, which is really yeah. the essence of the case. A nobody on trial well, for flouting the law. The jackal is on the loose Capitol Hill over at the Prettyman Federal Courthouse, but the jackal is out. Jack Posobiec is in guest hosting while the jackal himself the most dangerous man in america stephen k bannon is enduring day two of his show trial from the biden regime today is 
19 July, Year of Our Lord, 2022. What's going on? We've got so much coming up today. Massive show and so much going on around the world. We're going to have Harnwell up next to talk about it. But we have to go through the list. Pelosi, she is on her way making a trip to Taiwan while the CCP is demanding an ed to U.S. arms sales to the island nation. Next, Nikki Haley and Mike Pence both making noises, hinting at potential 2024 runs. I think that's going to go over like a lead balloon. Next, a European heat wave we're seeing concurrently with a European energy crisis. Charges dropped from the Colbert Nine, of course, right? Those people, the Stephen Colbert crew, arrested for what? Parading and trespassing in the U.S. Capitol. No charges will be filed against them. Charges dropped by the Biden Department of Justice. Just so you know that Merrick Garland, our next guest, Mike Davis, I'm sure can have uh, some comments about that. Merrick Garland does not care to have the appearance of fairness. He only wants revenge. Revenge, I believe, for being blocked from being on the Supreme Court. Next, we've also got uh, Vladimir Putin arriving in Tehran as the new axis of control of the world island solidifies itself. And we've got so much more coming up today, but I wanted, and we just heard, we just heard from Stephen K. Bannon right there. That was yesterday outside the courtroom. I actually went. So after hosting this show and then hosting Human Events Daily, my own podcast, podcast, we don't like podcasts. We went over to the courtroom. I spent about the last three hours, right? Sitting in the court with Steve uh, during jury selection yesterday and juror after juror, it was biased. And actually MSNBC had this completely wrong when they said the jurors didn't know who he was. No, it's the opposite. They knew exactly who he was. And you had bias after bias after bias. They had prejudged uh, him because of his name, Steve Bannon, because he was a conservative, because he was affiliated with President Trump, because he was associated with January 6th. You had one guy in there coming up saying, I get the notifications for January 6th. I get them on my phone. I follow everything. I follow the committees. I follow the hearings. I follow it all. I follow every little piece of this. And the judge saying, well, you know that actually it doesn't have to do with the case. This is about a subpoena. This is about some of the other you know, situations that were, that were around the committee, not the actual day itself. And this guy just completely could not separate his opinions about what happened that day versus what actually the trial was about. And this is exactly what Richard Barris told us yesterday, People's Pundit, when he talked about the illusory truth effect, right? Strong bias and the high illusory truth effect. But I want to bring in now Mike Davis, who is the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, himself a veteran of many uh, Senate committees and as well as Supreme Court confirmations, understands the process like none other. Mike Davis, what are your thoughts on, as we saw the jury selection, we got the bias that we saw that we were going to have. Now, I believe the last I saw is that opening statements are set to get underway right down the street in the Predimen Federal Courthouse. Well, Steve Bannon should not even be there in the first place. He uh, He's there because the Biden Justice Department is on a witch hunt. They want to go after uh, Trump people. Uh, Bannon is uh, one of the one of the leaders uh, of the Trump movement. Uh, President Trump asserted executive privilege and Steve Bannon honored that as he should have been, uh, as he as he should have. It's this is a legal issue that should have been resolved through the civil courts. This should not be in criminal court right now. There is a legal dispute whether President Trump can maintain executive privilege uh, while President Biden uh, purports to waive it. There's a legal dispute whether executive privilege uh, uh, applies to former presidential White House aides versus uh, presidential advisors on the outside. These are legal issues. We've had executive privilege going back to George Washington. And we talked about this yesterday, Jack. The point 
of executive privilege. This is a critical constitutional uh, issue with executive privilege. It's about the separation of powers. It gives the president, the executive for the country, the power to get uh, the ability to get candid advice from a wide variety of advisors and not worry that another branch of government is going to meddle in that advice and and have a, a chilling effect on people giving candid advice to the president. That is exactly well. And actually, what Mike, is- I've got I've got a breaking update now. So I'm, um, some of the reporters that I'm following, Epoch Times has some folks in there. Joe Nearman uh, from LawTube is there. Viva Fry, he's going to be doing a daily recap for Post Millennial. But one of the breaking updates I have on this is apparently the prosecution, and we thought that this had already been. Uh, decided, apparently the prosecution has started to say that they will potentially allow evidence of the argument regarding executive privilege in the case, even though we were told originally that that was a defense that would not be available to Steve. Of course, it was his entire defense. The reliance of counsel was something else he brought up. So that's the latest that we're getting, that apparently the prosecution, even though this would seem beneficial to the defendant in this case, uh, will allow potentially some discussion of this in front of the jury. Well, I mean, then, then, then Steve Bannon's attorney should move for a mistrial because the whole point, Steve Bannon's entire argument was, look, whether you think this executive privilege argument is legally right or wrong, I am bound by it because I work for President Trump. He asserted it. I am bound by it. The, the current president and the former president need to work this out. They need to try to resolve this. And if they can't resolve this, they need to go to civil litigation and, and get a ruling from a judge. You can tell me, Steve Bannon, what I'm supposed to do. It's not Steve Bannon's not a, a legal expert here. He's not an, an expert on executive privilege. So you put him in this position where Trump has ex- asserted executive privilege. And then Steve Bannon's now being charged with obstruction of, of Congress for honoring this. This is nonsense. And then the, then this... Judge said that Steve Bannon couldn't even raise executive privilege as a defense, nor could he raise reliance on counsel as a defense. And now the government wants to try to put this in the case at, at the last minute when Steve can't call the appropriate witnesses at his trial today to, to argue these cases. That's just not fair. That violates due process. Right, because, of course, if and, and again, we, you know, we're dealing with breaking news directly from the courtroom. And that's what we do here on War Room because we don't take days off. There's no crying in the war room. We put the shoulder to the wheel and we do hard things. I think I got all the catchphrases in one sentence there. Um, and, and But the idea is that we are gonna be covering this breaking news while we're here in the war room to understand so that folks back home can know the play-by-play. Because, and Mike, to your question and to your argument there, obviously, if they were, if they knew that this, these lines of defense would actually, in fact, be available to Steve, then he would have prepared a defense which included witnesses. I'm sure would include various documents, emails that they want to prepare for the for the jury. Um, perhaps even some expert witnesses, maybe yourself, you know, or someone who is an expert on on executive privilege to come in and explain it to the jury the way that you just did. But now, if they're trying to introduce it at the last minute, it doesn't provide them the time to actually prepare a case. And they want to do it through a hearsay. They want to do it through hearsay evidence. They want to do it from a letter from the from uh, 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 Chairman Thompson on the the uh, January sixth Kangaroo Commission. Instead of having him come in and testify, they want to do it essentially by a drive by shooting, where we're going to selectively use the evidence we want and to deny Steve Bannon the ability to 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 have the evidence that he needs to present his defense. Oh, okay, so I see what they wanted. So why can't they just bring Thompson in? Why won't they bring any members of the actual committee in, the people who signed off in the subpoena? Why aren't we seeing that? 
Well, uh, they could try. Uh, the, the problem is, is there's a speech and debate clause. So the, the president has executive privilege, apparently, until Trump comes along. And then the Democrats want to just get rid of 250 years of executive privilege for the president. Uh, the Congress has a speech and debate clause privilege where they're not they can't be called to testify to what they do in Congress generally. So both both branches have it or they're supposed to have it unless, of course, you're Steve Bannon and Donald Trump. And then they want to throw out all of that history because they want to get Trump. So essentially, speech and debate clause means a, a form of legislative privilege, right? So executive yes. privilege is taken away when you're Stephen K. Bannon or Donald Trump. But this the idea of legislative privilege is being preserved for the members of the committee, which and I believe when we were talking about this yesterday, the the actual constitution of the committee, right, the way that it's been that it was formed isn't actually in keeping with the House rules. There's no, uh, for example, obviously we're seeing there's no cross-examination of any of the witnesses. And Mike, I also have to tell you, as I was sitting in the back of the of the Predivan courtroom yesterday, this was the in the um, the Centennial courtroom. It's it's beautiful courtroom, ornate, very um, you know statuesque everywhere. I don't believe the actual trial is going to be held in there. That was just for jury selection. Juror after juror, I would say almost ninety percent of them said they knew about the case, they knew about the committee, they had been watching the hearings, and they they knew exactly who Steve Bannon was. Yeah, and they're at, at least 95% Democrat, and the 5% of the non-Democrats are Trump-deranged rhinos. So good luck to Steve Bannon with this D.C. jury and the uniparty that runs the D.C. court system. Uh, it's, it's, he's clearly set up to be found guilty. There's no question about it. The issue is going to be on appeal, uh, wh whether, the, whether the court... Uh, aired as a matter of law by not allowing Steve Bannon to raise the executive privilege defense that he should have been able to raise. Well, I think that's right. I've, I've spoken to other lawyers who agree with you on that, that that really does come down to this executive privilege question. So we're going to follow this story throughout the day as it goes. But I want to go next to Ben Harnwell after the break. Mike, where can people go to follow you, follow the Article 3 Project and all of your work? Thank you, Jack. It's article3project.org, article3project.org, and it's at article3project, at number, at article3project. And my personal, when I'm not kicked off of Twitter, is MRDDMIA. That's Twitter and Getter, MRDDMIA. And thank you for what you're and doing, uh, Jack, to defend Steve on this. God bless. Well, just trying to call balls and strikes. As we say, everyone deserves a fair trial, even if you are a jackal. Like Stephen K. Bannon is. Coming up next, Ben Harmwell going to Rome. We're going to see what's going on as the heat wave is heating up in Europe. You know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, there's been an unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand, end quote. You know who understands the real threat of inflation? People who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting their savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action now. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, -N -N, to 989898 and get a free info kit 
on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and get the real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on protecting your savings with gold. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. All right, Jack Posobiec, host of Human Events Daily, a podcast where people don't like podcasts, sitting in while the jackal, right, as MSNBC calls him, the jackal is over there in the Predeman Federal Courtroom, Federal Courthouse, on trial, where the latest that we're seeing now uh, Bannon's lawyer, Schoen, is now contending. I'm getting this from Josh Gerstein's Politico feed. Given the judge's ruling in the law, he, he isn't sure if he wants the jury to know about executive privilege issue as discussed in letters. It, I don't want to appear to the jury to be backdooring it, right? Because they want to have a full defense. They took the defense away, and now the prosecution is trying to bring it back in. The lawyers are saying, we want to argue this on appeal. This entire thing is a travesty. It's been a show trial from the start because he refused to speak to Nancy Pelosi's star chamber. He thumbed his nose and they're going at him. That's the signal, not the noise. But speaking of signal, not noise, I want to go to Rome and I want to bring in Ben Harmel. Now, Ben, you know, we we were hosting yesterday. We had so many uh, domestic issues that we had to get into so many crises here inside the United States that we didn't even have time for the crises outside the United States. And that's why I wanted to bring Ben Harnwell on because as I'm following these uh, these foreign capital markets, as I'm following what's going on in the South China Sea, the East China Sea, Nancy Pelosi potentially going to Taiwan, Vladimir Putin just landed in Tehran. He's visiting with the Iranians. They're putting together their axis of the world island, right? Now we're also seeing on the, con- on the continent of Europe and the UK as well, we're seeing a heat wave at the exact same time a heat wave at the same time as an energy crisis. This is going to lead to riots. This is how governments fall. We just saw that in Italy. Ben Harnwell, what do you see from your seat? Well, you know, Jack, uh, good morning to you. There's um, something that we've been talking about here on the war and from the very beginning, uh, without entering into the debate as to whether it's not incompetence on behalf of our sociopathic uh, overlords. It's actually all planned out. Without touching that, One thing we have been saying is that out of the consequences of these ill-thought-out actions will be further power grabs for the international bureaucracy. And the first thing I'm going to go to today is this astonishing story, really, that was reported in the Financial Times. Um, And the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, has said that um, if we don't want the Czech Republic, Hungary, Slovakia and Italy to have a 5% contraction by the end of the year, the the 27 EU member states must pool their reserves of liquid natural gas. Now, the the argument that the IMF uses hasn't been, uh, that is to say, pooling these strategic national strategic reserves hasn't been explained. It's just asserted that giving uh, the European Union control over what is a a member state prerogative will somehow avoid the calamity that's coming. 
But it's absolutely clear that, as you were saying, the calamity is coming and our overlords intend, if nothing else, to expand their powers on the back of it. But Jack, you know that we're not dealing with economics here. When the IMF is using words like hoarding, they're accusing member states of hoarding LNG. Now, the last time I remember that term being used so inappropriately was under FDR uh, when he made the private ownership of gold. You know, this is in the land of the free. He made the private ownership of gold illegal. Um, and, he, and the term that this, this is as a consequence of his own disastrous economic policies. People obviously wanted to, to put their, their wealth in something that might store value. Um, and that's, that's what his National Recovery Administration called it. They called it the hoarding of gold. And they made it illegal. Um, and the Supreme Court um, actually overturned it. And this was when, um, the, when FDR said, look, I think this was the first time the concept of court packing was presented. Was he basically said, unless you, unless you approve this, right. um, I'll just pack as, as many justices uh, as I need. Massive constitutional overreach on behalf of the federal government. But here, the European Union's own federal government, the European Commission, is walking down exactly the same path, backed up here by European Commissioner and now present head of the IMF. And this is the point that we need to be aware of constantly, Jack. The consequences of our globalist elites are there to see. Now they are going, and they're there, and we have, and we have been foreseeing them right from the beginning. Now, and they are going to say when we get to this point, well, look, this is the law of unintended consequences. Well, th th those consequences may or may not be unintended, but there's no way at all that you can make the argument that they're not foreseeable. Now, just digging down oh. ever so slightly. Go, go ahead. No, Ben, you know, very early on, on I think it was maybe the day after um, the the war in Ukraine kicked off February 24, either 24 or 25 here in this program. And I said that Greta Thunberg is not the person that Europe should have listened to. They should have listened to the actual energy experts and this wouldn't have happened. And then Media Matters runs the headline saying, Jack Posobiec blames Greta Thunberg for Putin's invasion of Ukraine. No, no, what I'm saying is, these green policies have become an albatross around the necks of the global elites. They've, and they're putting the, those albatrosses, by the way, on their own people. They're not the ones who have to pay these costs. They can, hit, they can catch the brunt of it, right? They're the ones who benefited from the inflation. They're currently benefiting from the inflation, but it's everybody else. It's all of you. It's the global Lao Beijing, right? It's the global deplorables. It's all the people who have to actually pay for these things. You got the Biden administration trying to take a victory lap because gas came down like 25, 50 cents or something when it's still $2 higher than it should be, right? They're not pointing out that it's their concurrent, their green policies that kick this off, that put them at the behest of this. And then they, have a, they got to the point where they had already built the two Nord Stream 2 pipelines to Germany and then decided to uh, essentially have them cut off. Right. So now I guess, Ben, and this is my question for you, this is the calculus for for Germany, but also the EU in general. At some point, those are they're going what I saw. Um, Germany's headed down to Azerbaijan right now. They're going to Azerbaijan to try to get the liquid natural gas from there. They have no viable means for retrieving any more of this because the American natural gas is too expensive. Thanks to Biden. Biden's not helping the output on that. Then they're going to Azerbaijan, maybe to get a little bit. Um, the GCC just told them to to essentially just shove it, right? They're not giving them anything. Qatar's not giving them anything. And meanwhile, the calculus becomes at some point, at some point, 
Are they going to be able to hold out or do they have to go back to Vladimir Putin hat in hand and say, please, sir, turn the gas back on? Well, that, that I think is the, the question that is there in the back of everything that we've been saying here. Um, but for that question to be answered, Jack, it needs to be raised. It needs to be posed. People need to say, look, we need to do a cost benefit and analysis on this. And each government, as I think you and Steve have been saying for the past five months, each, you know, each government, it's, 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 um, it's appropriate and necessary for each government to go to its own people and say, these will be the costs. These will be the benefits. This is where we calculate our national interest to be to be violated. If a country can make that argument, uh, I don't think the United States can make that argument. Perhaps, perhaps some Eastern European countries, however, may be able to make that argument. But the United States certainly can't make, make the argument that, that, that it has vital strategic interests um, that require defending in the, in the war. And then the, 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 the people, the governments of the peoples can make a decision on a one by one basis. Um, as to how much support it wants to give Ukraine, bearing in mind the consequences that are going to arise out of that. But the thing is, is that governments have not been doing that. We had the cheerleading the pom the pom poms in the first month, uh, pretending, you know, defending at the, the, the never defined our values, um, and then that, that's basically been it's just been that 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 pl those platitudes about freedom and democracy have gone on. Whereas the costs of this war, we've seen some of them with with with, with the food shortages and the fuel and the fuel price hikes, but we haven't even really begun to see Jack the actual consequences of the the present embargo policy and Vladimir Putin's response to our embargo policy, and we won't see those those consequences in full. Um, and, and, and until the winter, when we go from one weather extreme to, to, the, to the next. Um, but you're absolutely right. The arguments have well, not got, been made. Oh, you've got Deutsche Bank now is coming out saying that they think the Germans are going to have to start chopping wood again for winter. Of course, the Greenies are going to freak out about that. But that's the only way, or at least partially part of the way, that they're going to be able to heat their homes this winter. That if you cut off both Nord Stream pipelines, that you don't have any access to this liquid natural gas, you're going to have to come up with some way to heat your homes. So sure, let's go back to the most dangerous way possible, right? And have people chopping wood and then actually set having those basic uh, wood-based fires in their own homes. One minute, Ben Harmwell. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I don't want to, to dwell on the wood chopping thing only because I'm sure Greta is listening. And if we start talking about all the trees that are going to fall down, those, those tears she'll come gonna, for you. She'll hot, come for you. Those hot streaming tears will, will run down those little cherubic Marxist cheeks. And obviously, <laughs> we want to avoid we want to avoid that. Um, but the, the, I'll finish with this point, Jack. I'll finish with this. Germany is the EU's most powerful, most advanced economy, right? And our sociopathic elites, our sociopathic overlords, have been so incompetent with the present policy of containment and, and response to the Putin war. Citizens of this most advanced country have now been um, obliged to return to the 1850s for their domestic energy needs, right? And we've only just started. That's how bad this is going to get. Well, they had no plan for this anyway whatsoever, or as you contend, did they have a plan all along? And was that plan called the Great Reset? I'm going to be Reset. dropping 
a documentary on the Great Reset very soon here in just a couple of weeks. Coming up next, we have, thank you so much, Ben. We have a very special guest making a surprise return to the war room. Stay tuned. With the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they have been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans. Thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and your Second Amendment. Go to PatriotMobile.com. That's all one word. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-P-A-T-R-I-O-T. 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to get the free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts for you. Come join our movement and make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call 972-PATRIOT. Support this company that supports your values. Do this today. Action, action, action. We went from 40 employees to 360 in the last three months. Who do you hire now, Bernie? To tell me. What's that? What kind of, the kinds of people you hire? We hire every we put every every you know people that are have that have had problems. I got a foundation now that I used to be a, an addict too, a drug addict. What kind of uh, drugs? A crack cocaine. Oh, yeah. oh crack. Huh? Crack, yeah. So I've got a. You know, I stopped doing cocaine before they invented crack. Cause yeah, it's a, it's a two, it's two different drugs. Cocaine yeah. is way different than crack. Yeah, I know. Because you change, you change the molecular, molecular structure or whatever. Right. And uh, my foundation is actually going to help you know, unreachable. You know, to reach out. So you can say you get the addicts and so on to make your pillows. Yeah, we have the ones that you know we got. You know, addict. We'll hire. You know. We hire people to help them too, to give them yeah. jobs and to get them, you know, back on their feet. And and uh, everyone in my company has a pillow, so they believe in the product, they believe where we're going. And uh, what a great story! Yeah, and now we're going to buy up. Uh, I want to start buying the cotton fields because China's buying our cotton fields and taking our cotton from us. That's Mike Lindell ten years ago. Ten years ago, talking about China, warning us about China and the CCP buying up our farmland, specifically talking about our cotton fields. And of course, Imus, right, right, the late great Imus drives right past it, doesn't even linger on that point. That's why it's so important now more than ever. Go to MyPillow.com, support the war room, support Mike Lindell, support his fight, the armor-piercing shell of democracy. Go to the War Room Splash page. All those so many great deals. A lot of them are flash sales, by the way. So when you go to the page, you know those sales are not going to last forever. So they, And you can check it. I think it's once a week they change. Sometimes it's 24 hours. You got to be on the splash page. MyPillow.com slash War Room. But I wanted to bring now 
on a very special guest to the war room, and that is none other than Mr. Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse. Now, Mr. Kassam, you have been doing some reporting into Dr. Burks, and I wanted to break that down for everybody here. Yeah, Jack, thank you for um, for having me this morning. I'm I'm just stunned, you know, that Steve's taking another day off. You know, we wouldn't have been allowed days off for, for trials. He's going soft. Days off? I mean, come on. <laughs> um, Jack, I think this... In fact, actually, that, since, now that you mention it, by the way, um, yeah, we do, do actually it. have breaking on that, that yeah. um, the... That you know, you're just attorney, like Steve. Yeah, I know, right? Um, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up has requested a one-month extension in the trial. They've just requested a continuance in the trial. This is breaking from the courtroom, from Epoch Times. Requested an extension, starting, stating that this letter that they're trying to introduce from, Jan 6, from the Jan 6 Committee, which discusses executive privilege, gives them the opportunity to bring up this entire line of defense, which also would get into mens rea. So potentially... Potentially, if this is so ordered, we could be seeing a one-month continuance starting today. We'll see. Yep. I mean, can they talk about it? Can they not talk about it? I, 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 I lose the logic here of this of this whole situation, to be honest with you. And, and frankly, it, this is the same thing we're seeing across government right now. It's the same thing we're seeing from Debbie Burks also. Remember people... Debbie Burks was that one, bescarved, standing astraddle the, uh, the the podium. You know, the voice of reason. People didn't like Fauci, they put Burks up. And Deborah Burks has been on a little book uh, promo tour in the last couple of uh, last couple of months, really. I mean, the book I don't think did particularly well, but people are just diving into it now, several months after it came out and reading what's in there. Um, two things really stood out, Jack. Uh, number one, I think what people need to know, and I think you've covered this before, was this whole, oh, we didn't know if the vaccines were actually going to work. It was predicated on hope. The things that they were telling the public were not factual, scientific-based, evidence-based information. As, as she has said in her own words, it was based and predicated on hope. Well, the other part that we're now learning that has come out of the book, which I caught on uh, this weekend, I saw somebody tweeting about it. So I went and purchased the book, if you can believe such a thing. Um, you're welcome, Debbie Burks, and went through and looked at it for myself. The book is called Silent Invasion. And in one particular part of this book, something that stood out glaring to me as, as, as just a, a, an utter disgrace, if not, if not illegal, very illegal. I want to quote for you. Quote, I devised a workaround for the governor's reports I was then writing. Instead of including these recommendations in the common bulleted list, I'd include them in the pandemic summary and state-specific recommendations in the governor's reports, where they wouldn't be so obvious. These weekly reports couldn't go out on Monday without administration approval. Week by week, Mark's office be began providing line-by-line -line edits. After the heavily edited documents were returned to me, I'd reinsert what they had objected to, but place it in different locations. I'd also reorder and restructure the bullet points so that the most salient, the points the administration, this is the Trump administration, objected to most, no longer fell at the start of the bullet points. I shared these strategies with three members of the data team also writing these reports. On Saturday and Sunday, report writing routines soon became write, submit, Revise, hide, resubmit. 
Fortunately, this strategic sleight of hand worked. They never seemed to catch this subterfuge. It left me to conclude that either they read the finished reports too quickly or they neglected to do the word search that would have revealed the language to which they objected. That is a senior government employee uh, who was brought in on the recommendation, by the way, of a candidate in New Hampshire, Matt Mowers, brought in to the administration to do this work under President Trump, admitting, in her words, not my words, to subterfuge, Jack. So when she's talking about playing playing hide the cheese here, right, what she's talking, these are strategic workarounds. And what she's talking about essentially is she's putting these documents out, lying then to the administration and then putting out words that they had objected to on in terms of this. So actually lying to the president and then essentially doing whatever she felt was right. And we have we have the clip, by the way, and Cameron, if you can play it. We have the clip. The government told us that testifying. Yeah, let's play it. When the government told us that the vaccine couldn't transmit it, was that a lie or was that a guess? Or is it the same answer? I think it was hope that the vaccine would work in that way. And that's why I think scientists and public health leaders always have to be at the so, table, so being it, very clear what we know and what but we this, don't this know. Is, this is important for the country to know. So when I ask the question, when the government told us that the vaccinated couldn't get it, and I ask you if it was a guess or a lie, you said you don't know. You said you think it was hope. So what we do know is it wasn't the truth. So they were either guessing, lying, or hoping, and communicating that information to the, to the, to the citizens of this country. So she's admitting there, under oath, that they didn't have the data that the vaccines actually stopped transmission. Nobody even says that anymore. People say, oh, I'm so glad I'm vaccinated, uh, even though I already caught COVID. We also just heard, by the way, speaking of January 6th committee chairman, Benny Thompson, we also just got the breaking that he has contracted COVID. So of course, thoughts and prayers uh, for our enemies. And she lied, Raheem, she lied not only to the president, she lied to the American people. Tell me, what are the implications of this? But wait, there's more. In the same chapter in the book, Jack, she goes on to say, quote, this wasn't the only bit of subterfuge I had to engage in. Immediately subterfuge. after the at, at, subterfuge, her words, immediately after the Atlas Influence revised CDC testing guidance went up in late August, I contacted Bob Redfield. He confirmed my suspicions he had disagreed with the guidance, but felt pressured by HHS and the White House to post it. Also, many on his staff in Atlanta were still comfortable prioritizing symptomatic individuals. Even at this late point, eight months into the pandemic, many at both the White House and the CDC still refused to see that silent spread played a prominent role in viral spread and that it started with social gatherings, especially amongst younger adults. We had to find a way around them. Recognizing the damage to public health, the Scott Atlas-driven testing guidance could do and was doing with testing rates dropping across the country, Bob and I agreed to quietly rewrite the guidance and post it to the CDC website. We would not seek approval because we were both quite busy. It might take a week or two, but we were committed to subverting the dangerous message that limiting testing was the right thing to do. Another example of how Debbie Burks colluded with people outside of the administration who weren't in that line of decision making to go around what the administration had decided on. Remember, listen, 
for all you can say about everything that went right or wrong during the original pandemic response, this wasn't her call to make. And when you circumvent the chain of command like that, it undermines the entire thing. Deborah Burks, in my mind, needs to be hauled in front of a court and made to answer for her subterfuge against the government she was working for, which was elected by the people she claimed to be serving. Jack, this isn't a small thing. This isn't Debbie Burks was just messing around behind the scenes. She was actively undermining the administration's thought through response with lots of different experts who were weighing in on this, right? But because it didn't go the way she or Bob Redfield or Anthony Fauci wanted, they decided, uh-uh, we ain't doing it that way. We'll do whatever well, no, the heck no, we no, Raheem, Somebody has to help be held accountable for this. Not just what she wanted, again. what she hoped, yeah. what she hoped. It's what she hoped. She hoped that things would go differently. She didn't want to listen to Scott Atlas. And Scott Atlas, of course, is the is the you know primary antagonist of her book. He's the villain, right, for her because she thinks, well, all these these government, uh, these leaders, they don't understand we need to shut down schools, we need to shut down the economy, we need to shut down everything. We need to tell we need to lie to people about the vaccines. She lied to the American people about the vaccines limiting the spread that's count number one against her then count number two i would say is the subterfuge the undermining of the government itself and the other question i have raheem do you think for a second that all of this was going on without the knowledge and dare i say it blessing of dr anthony fauci oh i'm certain that this was this was uh, his approach from the get-go and that this was uh, you know, let's let's use the the same terms as as this. This was a virus that went through the people who were working around. This was contagion uh, of 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 insubordination that was going on in the White House at that time. And hey, listen again, we can all look back, roast tinted spectacles, and say, hey, we could have done this, we could have done that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But here you have a highly paid, celebrated, by the way, wildly celebrated government apparatchik like Debbie Burks admitting that she didn't think that what everybody else had decided was the right thing to do. So she went ahead and well, did and something anyway, right? This was we've got test to everyone, well. everywhere, we, all the time. Nonsense. We have to ask this, this question, and I, and I think it's, it's a serious question that needs to be asked now. Who was the head of that task force? It wasn't Burks, and it wasn't Fauci. It was Vice President Mike Pence. Did Vice President Pence know that this was going on, that they were going behind the back of the administration and lying and committing what she calls strategic subterfuge during the lockdowns and the vaccine rollouts. Jack, it's a really important point. You make a really important point because in that first paragraph that I read, she talks about Mark, and I believe she's talking about Mark Short, right? The 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 Pence bag boy who's behind all of this stuff. And it appears, if, at least if what she is saying is correct, that they didn't catch her subterfuge, that somebody on Pence's team in Pence's in Pence world was dropping the ball and allowing these bureaucrats to just run ragged over everything the, the White House had, had put into place and every plan that the Trump administration had wanted. So who is accountable there? You're absolutely correct. At the end of it, it comes back down to the head of the task force, and that was Mike Pence. So let's have Mike Pence on the stand as well. Let's hear from him why this was allowed to go on. Because this isn't the only thing in the book. I haven't been through all of it yet. We're still making our way through it. You know there's more to come. And by the way, if the audience wants to find out a lot more about it, thenationalpulse.com, we're going to be reporting on so much more of it. Raheem Kassam, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, my friend, for joining us and breaking down this horrifying saga. Thanks, Jack. Over.
Friends, when America's farmers themselves start warning us about impending unavoidable food shortages, do you think there might be a problem in this country? Well, you bet there is. Fertilizer shortages are going to impact you and your family very, very soon. That's why I suggest you drop what you're doing and go to preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com. You'll find a special offer where you can save $150 on a three-month emergency food kit from my Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of well-prepared customers who will be able to eat when the food shortage hits, and those shortages are going to hit. Their three-month food kits give you over 2,000 calories per day and are selling fast, so don't wait. You get free shipping, and your food will arrive at your home in unmarked boxes. Get one kit for each person in your family. You'll need it. Go to preparewithbannon.com right now. That's preparewithbannon.com. It's no longer if, it's when the extensive food shortages are coming. Go to preparewithbannon.com. Do that today. Action, action, action. ...has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas the platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. All right. So when you go on Getter, by the way, when you follow Steve Bannon on Getter, that's really him, folks. So if you want to send him a message, you want to get some words. I know he does read dimensions. He does check that out. Uh, so we have some breaking, a little bit of breaking from the courtroom. There's been no answer yet. The judge has returned. No answer yet on whether or not the continuance will be happening. It does look as though the um, the trial will be on. So far as today, they are going to jury selection. They still haven't finished jury selection, if I haven't made that clear. But he's also saying that he's going to allow the letters from Benny Thompson and the J6 committee, but redact the portion about executive privilege. So we'll see, the, but they will see, they will see the Bannon objection and the fact that the committee replied that we still want testimony. So a lot of stuff going on, the trial's still happening, but I wanted to bring in now Ned Ryan. He's the CEO of American Majority. Ned is solely focused on the midterms, what's going on in these swing yeah. states. A little bit of a look ahead to 24. Ned, what are you seeing? Let's kind of walk through, walk people through these battlefield states as we are hurtling towards these midterms just after the end of summer here. Yeah, no, Jack, good to be with you. I, I think people need to look at a lot of the different dynamics. Obviously, we're in July, uh, just a few months away from the midterms, and it, it's shaping up very nicely for Republicans on a whole host of fronts. Uh, you know, I, I refer people back to 2010. Uh, so on, on, on Biden's approval rating, he's around 38 percent, even 30 percent. Some of these polls, I would remind people Obama coming into the 2010 midterms was about 44.7 percent in his approval rating. So that's a factor. Obviously, inflation is going through the roof. Uh, so you've got all these dynamics that are working in Republicans favor. But I, I want people to think not only about the House, but I think we'll pick up at a low 35 seat jack, maybe up to 50, maybe even more. Depends on how bad it gets with the Biden administration. 
So I think the House is obviously going to go Republican in a definitive way. Uh, I think the Senate's going to go Republican as well. Uh, I'm looking at low end three to four seats, but I got to tell you, there's a reason Democrats are spending millions in Colorado and Washington defending those incumbent senators, because they're looking at some of these dynamics as well and deeply concerned. So if things really start to go poorly for Democrats going into the fall, uh, it's going to be well above three Senate seats. But I want people to also think about what's going on at the statewide level, Uh, not only the gubernatorial races, the state attorney general, secretary of state, but also legislative races, because in 2010, Republicans picked up 680 state legislative seats as well. So I think we're looking at something that's going to be pretty epic that will be really in the same kind of epic stage as, as 2010 elections were for Republicans. Now, Ned, let's let's get into some of these specific key states Now, you mentioned specifically for the Senate, um, a couple of races. What are some of the ones that you're watching on that are potential pickups? Because you're going to need flips if Republicans do want to take back the Senate. What are they going to flip? Oh, do we just lose Ned there? Oh, of course we lose. Of course we lose him right when I go to ask the question. Right? You know the the wonders of uh, of live television. Did we get him back there? Hey Ned, you got you. I'm back. I'm back. Hey Ned, so I wanted to ask you, what are some of the key races uh, in terms of swing states, battleground states that you're looking at specifically for the Senate? Because we're going to need some flips if we want to see that. Um, if we want to see the Senate turnover. Well, you've got to look at, at Georgia, obviously, with Herschel Walker and Warnock. The one that I'm obviously fascinated by is Arizona. Uh, Blake Masters is up by about 10 points uh, in the polls with two weeks to go. Two weeks from today, the Arizona primaries. Uh, Blake is very well positioned to be the nominee. And I've seen some internal numbers, Jack, that show uh, Mark Kelly has very he, he's underwater on his favorables. Uh, in fact, 50 percent of the voters in Arizona think that he's too liberal, too extreme uh, for the state. So. I'm pretty optimistic about Arizona and Blake Masters. He's been doing a phenomenal uh, campaign, Jack, for a first-time candidate, has been doing all the things that he should be doing and raising the money and positioning himself. Uh, I'm also looking at Nevada. I think Adam Laxalt has a, has a tremendous chance to take that seat. So those are my three big pickup opportunities for Republicans. But don't forget New Hampshire. Uh, that's a late primary, so we're not going to know for a little while uh, who the Republican nominee will be. And, and as I mentioned, you know, let's look at Colorado, Washington State, but don't sleep on Connecticut. I, Jack, I've said this before. I think anything that Joe Biden. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the reason I'm saying that is look at Virginia and what happened last year. I'm here in Virginia. Okay. In a state that okay. Biden won by 10 points in 2020. He lost. Uh, Youngkin won by two. So a 12 point flip. That was that was it'll be a year uh, between the, the November uh, Virginia elections and the midterms. I'm starting to think, and I know this sounds a little crazy, Jack, even when I say it, I think anything that Joe Biden won by 20 points or less in 2020 is actually going to be pretty competitive this fall. So you're taking that math, essentially, the 20 points or less, that's the drop from his approval ratings if he goes state by state, because he's underwater in every state, right? There, there. Oh. I don't think there's any state where he's actually above water. Maybe, maybe Delaware. That, that, that's one of the reasons I wanted to point out his approval ratings right at the beginning, because in a lot of these battleground states... You know, his his overall national approval might be mid 30s or 38. But you get to these battleground states like Georgia, like Arizona, like Nevada. He's even lower than that. I think in New Hampshire, he's only in the mid 30s. You get into Ohio and other places. He's high 20s, low 30s. You, you cannot escape an 800 pound albatross with concrete boots on your back if you're a Democrat. And I think that's going to be a, a, a huge factor coming into the midterms that, that Joe Biden's trajectory on approval 
ratings is not going up. It's going to go down. Inflation is not going to go down. It's only going to continue to get worse. All of these trends, these trajectories, as you get closer to the midterms, really start to harden. And there's no good news for Democrats on any level on any of these trajectories. Never at one minute. Uh, let us know what's American Majority up to. How can people follow you and follow along with your work? AmericanMajority.org. We train people how to run for state and local office. Uh, so I'd encourage people to come out, join us, be a part of the trainings. Last thing I want to say, Jack, is this. Do not forget gubernatorial races in Michigan and Wisconsin. In Michigan, the state legislature passed 39 election integrity bills. They were all vetoed by Whitmer. If we can win that gubernatorial seat in Michigan, we can see real election reform take place in some of these upper Rust Belt states. That's a huge factor in 2022 that will impact 2024. No, we had the Supreme Court decision already in Wisconsin on the drop boxes. They're unconstitutional. Right. They were unconstitutional, by the way, at the time of the 2020 election. Bob Spindell, the bobsled himself, told us all about that. We need more reform in all of these That's states. Right. Like, for example, my own home state of Pennsylvania, where I don't know if Dr. Oz will be able to seal the deal with Josh Shapiro. But coming up next, I'm going to go to Arizona and talk to, speaking of gubernatorial candidates, we've got one waiting in the wings. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.